0: This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the Bindal people of Waja and the Kaba people of Garimbilbara, the traditional custodians of the land on which we stand today. We would like to pay our deepest respects to Elders past, present, and future, acknowledging the ongoing intergenerational trauma caused by colonisation and genocide. Sovereignty was never ceded. This always was, and always will be, Aboriginal land in the up. Oh, Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. All right,
1: welcome everyone to another episode of Loud, Angry and Not Sorry, where we talk about news and current events from a feminist perspective. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Leah, <laughs> and this week we are proud to announce our new co-host. You might remember her from previous episodes such as Happy Coup Year and a jaunty stroll through the history of transmedicalisation. Welcome, Stephanie. Hi. Hi, how are you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, for, for the record, um, what happened is last night we, we talked about what was going to happen in this episode and we went till about mm, maybe midnight yeah. and I'm working on about four hours sleep.
1: Yeah. So it's good. And um, the reason why we had to stop was because I kept waking up. My nine-year-old daughter. So yeah, yes. naughty mummy. <laughs> um, Deepest apologies. So this episode, we're going to be discussing universal childcare. But before we get into that, do we want to talk about the reason why we decided to talk about universal childcare? The LMP oh. has once again been caught in a in a WhatsApp scandal. Like, I think maybe they should consider using a different. App.
0: Or be more selective about who they let on.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just less Dutton, I think.
0: <laughs> He's upset. You reckon, he wrote the, you reckon he, it was
1: Dutton? Who...
0: It wouldn't surprise should me. We, if should was... we maybe
1: like, should we reiterate and maybe talk about what the actual article is? Because folk might not know because it's about women and stay-at-home mums. So they might not, like people probably haven't talked about it.
0: So um, almost a week ago now, um, there was a leaked WhatsApp chat between federal ministers and backbenchers about what the budget is going to look like. So there's going to be a little bit of talk about that. But primarily, they were talking about um, childcare and there seems to be an internal split in the LNP between stay-at-home mums and working mums. Mm. And it basically boils down to Queensland weirdo and just general shit human being Gerard Rennick. Rennick whatever his name is, I don't care. Yeah. I literally Who do cares? not care about the, yeah. the, the existence of this person, apart from the fact that he is a, a number for the LNP, um, was apparently airing his frustration to the coalition colleagues um, by claiming Treasurer Josh Frydenberg was giving in to unions and business groups with $1.7 billion. Um, <laughs> there's, a whole, there's a whole list of complaints that he has about this, um, but primarily it's because of two things. One, if... And this is a direct quote, by the way. If childcare is so wonderful, why are education standards slipping and mental health issues rising? Whatever happened to small government? I don't know, you dick. What did ever happen to small government? Yeah. Which I will get into a little bit later because there's something something else that's popped up. And who defended... And who... Defended the childcare policy as even even stranger. Um, But Matt Canavan then joined in to basically suggest that the childcare package only helps some types of families rather than those with single incomes. And the quote from him is, full-time mums and full-time dads get no benefit from boosting childcare funding. Which, you know, is technically true, yeah. um, but what he wants to do is he, he basically wants to allow for what they call income splitting. So that um, families mm. are taxed on total income rather than having each parent's income taxed separately. He goes on to say, a single income family with two kids on $150,000 a year pays 15000 a year more in tax than a double income family on the same income. Now, he's not wrong. Yeah. But... As with most of the things <laughs> in the LNP, there's something shadier going on.
1: Yeah, do you want to elaborate?
0: Uh, oh, I really don't. It's terrible. <laughs> okay, so
1: what underpins majority of this is how do we get more people into the workforce and how do we exploit their labor more?
0: Yeah. I mean Am I wrong? You're not really. <laughs> <laughs> it's really quite it's really quite depressing. This whole episode is going to be really quite depressing to be honest. Yeah. 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 So okay. yeah, buckle in. <laughs> yeah. Um so here's where it kind of gets interesting. So there's an organization called the International Organization for the Family.
1: Oh god. I'm sorry. I just remembered that this existed and now I'm like really sad again. <laughs> sorry go. <laughs> so the
0: the International Organization for the Family. Um, is a conservative, like, ultra-conservative Christian group of weirdos. Absolute weirdos. And they hold a, a, a World Congress of Families every year. You might remember way back when, during the marriage equality debate, when Tony Abbott went to one of these World Congress of Families to give a speech about the sanctity of marriage. This is also the group that pretty much has backed... Hungary's Viktor Orban through all of his terrible, absolutely terrible Mm. policies that have really diminished the status of women in Hungary. Mm. Um, And primarily, it's started with... Okay, so Hungary has this really weird relationship with the Catholic Church from the Soviet Union onwards. Um, They tried banning abortion once and it went terribly. Basically, state-run orphanages were overflowing. Kids were dying on the street. It became, it, it was terrible. Yeah. So at the, after the fall of the Soviet Union, um, it allowed the Catholic Church to flourish more in Hungary. And so one of the things that, as far-right populist um, politicians started to come more into power, One of the things that they started doing was basically going, well, we can't ban abortion because everyone remembers this horrible period. So what we're going to do is we're going to just pull on the economic levers a little bit. And so Mm. what what, what the Hungarian government did was things like, we're going to bring in tax breaks for the number of children that you have. I don't have the figures handy. It was basically the more children that you had, the bigger the tax break to the point where it was almost about 50% um, if you had four children or more. Mm. Now, you can kind of understand that in a country with high um, unemployment, this is going to disproportionately affect women. Yeah. Because the way to get ahead financially is to have more children.
1: Yeah. A, a, a short-term solution to a problem. Like, you know, like initially you're just like, of course. But when there's not the infrastructure in place to actually support those those large families, you just are just throwing people into poverty.
0: Yeah. You're also politically disadvantaging a, a group within Hungarian society because they're too busy looking after all the children that they have to in order to have tax breaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and now we have gotten to the stage where, you know, and, and the International Organization for the Family were very uh, instrumental in these policies. Mm-hmm. They promoted them. They promoted Viktor Orban um, later on down the track. And now... It is an absolutely horrific situation um, for women in Hungary. Abortion is banned. The constitution has been amended, if I remember correctly, where basically the legal definition of what a woman is, is a mother.
1: Fuck. Jesus Christ. Look, <clears throat> like there's, there is no way for people with uteruses to have any kind of equity or... Like be able to properly facilitate in politics or in government or like even just in the everyday workforce if we don't have full control of our reproductive labor and our and our just our bodies in general. Ugh, that's Yeah,
0: fucked. sorry, it's just fucked. Yeah, it is it is fucked on so many different levels, and we know that the that conservative Christians of various different stripes. I don't have direct. I don't have direct evidence that um, Renick is a member of this organization or has ever been to one of the world congress of families but the information is actually out there Mm. and he his and this kind of um focusing on we want to help stay at home mums and dads with tax breaks Mm. you know is very Mm. much in the vein of creating a system where coercive control has an added Mm -hmm. financial incentive Mm-hmm. You know, we've already got um, situations where, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to mention that one. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's about the um, extra benefit for bringing a second child in for childcare um, uh, subsidies. Mm. But probably the wrong time to bring that in.
1: It sort of flows in together. Like the bodily autonomy, the control over our wombs and the reproduction once we have children like that unpaid reproductive labour that it tends to be women that are, that are doing the majority of that work. Even, and even when, I mean, there are men that like go like, you know, put their hands up and do a good job and like they might do the dishes every now and then or whatever. But they don't, I genuinely don't think that they understand the, the actual layers of reproductive labour and how much actually goes into it. it. It feels like it's a choice at this stage where they refuse to read literature by women <laughs> about this would There's... that be
0: a valid yeah i think you might be onto something there
1: yeah like they just like i've just recently done this thing on on twitter where we were talking about reproductive labor and it like got lots of likes and shares but it's all these men telling me well you don't know what you're talking about you should read this book by this economist that's a man and i'm just like have you guys heard of like feminist economics like do you and this one guy is trying to explain to me and i'm just like Um, what about my reproductive labour? And he, like, had no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, how can you think that you are advocating for women in this space when you don't even understand reproductive labour? Like, have you ever spoken to a woman? It's just...
0: mm. It's not so much if they've ever spoken to a woman, it's have they ever listened to one?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or just, yeah, have you... Do you spend your time speaking at women? Or do you, yeah, do you participate in conversation? yeah it's it's very bizarre.
0: or do you just even listen? like mm. there's not really much to participate in a conversation about because essentially, you know, in order not yeah a good good science is making observations without interference. like you <laughs> oh. want you want to um you want to take in data without coloring it. yeah, and the only way you can do that is if you stop talking <laughs> like. There are so, and Twitter is is notoriously bad for this of basically having roving gangs of of cis dudes who not only take over um, uh, feminist spaces, looking at you, TERFs.
1: Ah, They're not feminist.
0: But, you know, like they they will comment on absolutely everything. Yeah. And then pretend that essentially you're being unreasonable when you say, actually, no. It's a no. little bit different to what you... Un- it's, it is much different to how you understand this, this whole system to work. Yeah. Like, reproductive lab- labour is a big issue, but it's made worse by the fact that, essentially, yeah, you can be a stay-at-home dad, but the yeah. moment you decide to re-enter the workforce, the barrier for entry for you is much, much lower. Yes. You deciding to take three years off to look after your child doesn't really impact your your professional... Chances as much as a cis woman taking three years off to look after their child.
1: Absolutely, and you're probably given some kudos in the workforce as well. Like, oh, what a great dad! What a great man you are supporting so progressive. your wife. Yeah, like, does she even know how lucky she is? I can't believe you babysat for thir- th- three years. I can't uh, believe kill- you
0: babysat your own child. Yeah. It kills me when people say that's It's hilarious.
1: Um, yeah. No, that's a really good point, actually.
0: Because, again, the, you know, like the, the societal viewpoint on it all is that essentially, you know, the dude has taken three years off, but is still not, as a primary caregiver, is still not thought of as that, mm. you know? So, you know, he took three years off. Cool. But is he expected to answer um, every time a child's sick at school? Is mm. he expect is he going to be you know nobody asks the question of whether or not he's going to be the one who stays at home with sick children.
1: Yeah, Do you know that's really funny because I'm I'm divorced and we have split custody like fifty fifty, uh, but every time Isabel's sick, they call me and not him. Yeah. Yeah, the onus was always on me to leave my job to go pick up Isabelle as opposed to, and like as a nurse, like a psych nurse, I'm just like, well, I can't actually leave the ward. Her dad works in a fucking office, like typing zeros and ones. Like why? No one's going to die if he leaves work. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's
0: not, it's not that serious. Yeah. And the provisions are already there for him to um, take the exact same leave that any cis woman will be taking to go and look after a child. Mm. But the expectation isn't there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was one time where, like, I was literally at work and they kept calling me, kept calling me, kept calling me. Um, and there was, like, I had a heap of missed, phone, missed calls because it was quite, like, she'd, she'd hurt herself at school, but they hadn't even tried to call her dad. It's just, like, this stuff happens all the time, all the time. Yeah. And the, and it's always on the, you know, the woman in the relationship, to to do this this extra care work it's just it's so bizarre,
0: yeah. What well, it's not bizarre. I mean, there's... it's there's... not
1: bizarre. It's actually completely. It's just it, it's It's frustrating. well
0: document. It's a well documented phenomenon.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's called patriarchy, <laughs> and it, but it's women doing it to other women as well. Yeah, and it's just it's I don't know. I just I don't and I don't know how to shift that discourse.
0: Yeah, I, I I guess maybe the you know having having. You know, cis dudes is the primary point of contact for school-aged children, um, mm. being more of a thing.
1: Well, we're both on there,
0: and they they never think to call.
1: Yeah, it's just like, oh, hmm, that sounds. <laughs> why would I call the dad? Apparently, yeah. Anyway,
0: you know, and it was the same. It was the same thing when I was growing up. Um, mm. I would be sick, and they would they'd call my mum, who was mm. you know working for a government department at the time. In a pretty, you know, can't say too much, but it was a pretty important job. Mm-mm. I can't say too much because essentially all public servants are gagged and bound yeah. by a, an agreement that should they decide to, um, like, if you criticise the government, yeah, it's, it ends badly for you. Yeah. So yes, I'm. I'm not. I'm not trying to insinuate that my mother was a, a you know, a very important person <laughs> in the government. It's more that she worked in the government. <laughs> she worked in the government. And I can't really talk about it.
1: You sure she wasn't ASIO?
0: No, no. I'm a hundred percent sure that, that is not the case. That would was was, however, cool. Department of Defense. Ooh. Yeah. My mum's an AJ. <laughs> A. J. Actually, what? she swears like one too. Um, oh, but. Right. But my father, also in the Defence Force, never got a phone call. Yeah. And, okay, so if you know anything about Darwin, the uh, RAF base is right next to a primary school. Mm. And I went to that primary school. So my father worked for the for the um, the RAAF and mm. was stationed at the base right next to the primary school.
1: Lol. Yep. My mother
0: was working in the city for... For Army, yeah, they would call my mum, who was yeah kilometers away in comparison to my to my father, who was probably about a kilometer away, yeah not once did they ever call him, nah, despite him being closer, despite the fact that they knew he was closer, yeah, the expectation of of caring for sick children always fell on my mum
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: of course. And no matter how no matter how many times, like she'd be like, "I'm busy. You're going to have to call her father." Mm. Nah, no, never happened. Jesus. But, like, the school was after... like, yeah, the school was like, "Oh, we can't get a hold of your mum." Yeah, I once laid in the sick bay for four hours.
1: Oh, babe.
0: <gasps> I, I'm not. I'm not saying that for sympathy, just to highlight. Yeah. you know the unequal distribution of labour expectations.
1: Mm, yeah. Thanks, patriarchy. Yeah. Get fucked. Yeah, cheers. Yeah, you make everybody miserable. you so much. Yeah. So one of the things that I think is really important to talk about as well is universal childcare. And that's a pretty, I think it's been a pretty consistent demand from feminists like across the time. Although it's, I do believe that it's been demanded and it's been kind of co-opted. Yeah, and we've, I think we've compromised.
0: It's, a, it's originally a socialist proposal. Yeah. Since the um, industrialization of education, universal childcare has been a demand of socialism. Mm. And, you know, um, the history of feminists uh, advocating for universal childcare is varied and mm. weird.
1: Yeah, and I suppose the definition of what it is as well yeah like it's... so yeah so my definition of universal childcare would be that it would be free and it would be accessible to everyone there'd be like health checks and like aspects of education but i don't like to do too much education on like children there would there would be nutrition health and it would be accessible to everyone across the board regardless yeah like there's no no financial means test there's no you have to be working or you there's no nothing just it's a, it's accessible and it's
0: available Yeah, that's a a reasonable definition. And other countries have actually brought it in. Um, Mm. So other countries have actually implemented universal childcare in various uh, incarnations. Um, India have a system which includes healthcare, um, referrals, nutrition and education. Um, Germany has brought in a system over time to basically uh, more like a preschool, like more just preschool but um, their system is still um, accessible. Japan has what looks like a universal childcare, but it's more for working families and it has a wait list.
1: It's- mm, mm, yeah. I mean, it kind of, like, I don't know, like we don't have universal childcare here. We don't have it free and accessible for everyone. Um, and that, that income thing really really stops a lot of low-income families ever entering the workforce
0: yeah because it's either it's either ridiculously expensive or completely inaccessible.
1: yeah it's yeah there are so many people who if you've got more than like two kids or something like that it's just there's no point even going to work which means you're losing out on superannuation you're you know that re-entry back into the workforce is difficult Obviously, parenting payments and things like that are unexistent and you become reliant on your partner for your economic stability, which shock and surprise, everyone's like, what? But that includes the risk and the likelihood of, you know, coercive control, financial abuse.
0: It makes escape from that situation impossible.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So universal childcare just makes life for people who have chosen to have children, it makes life functionable and, and, like, just able to exist in this world. I don't like the idea of, like, sort of centering our humanity and our mm. – I don't know how to say this because I'm so fucking tired. I, I don't like the concept of um, centering too much of our politics on our capacity to work because I think that just feeds into capitalism and it just keeps ca- capitalism going because – Well, obviously, just because that's what, you know, exploitation of labour and etc. So I I think, but I do think that universal childcare is a really good step just to give women, parents, the space and the time to be able to, you know, just get a leg up, I suppose. I don't know. Just make life more financially viable. I don't know if I'm making sense at this stage.
0: It expands your options. It does. So if you want to work you can work we'll get into the individual parties' uh, policies in in a little bit oh please shoot me now <laughs> no i need you for this bit after <laughs> um but you know in domestic and family violence situations it gives it reduces one of the primary drivers for keeping um victims in dangerous situations
1: mm. yeah but also like depressant, depression and stress and anxiety and just like having time to yourself and feeling like you are a human outside of your role as mother is really important. And I think a lot of women really lose that. So even if you just had like somewhere just to leave your kids for a bit, just one day, even if you decide to be a stay at home mom and you just need a day to yourself, you don't have to call on anyone. You can just take them to the service You know, they're being looked after, but like, just so you can have that time to just exist as a human being. Yeah. I just, I don't, yeah, I don't think it should just be like in Japan where they're like, you can access this service if you're employed. I don't think that, you you know, know, I mean, you know, like you could, like I've, I've gone back to school, I'm studying again, or, you know, looking for jobs or whatever. There's multiple reasons why you might need childcare outside of going to work
0: absolutely and also Mm. for medical reasons as well Mm. because specialist appointments you have almost no say in accessing specialist appointments Mm. you are given a date a time and you rock up then and unfortunately under the current system unless you have childcare booked for that day you're going to be dragging along a very grumpy very stroppy child Mm. to wait for up to two hours Mm. yeah it's so bad i hate specialist appointments (laughs) Yeah, blast. I suppose we should get into just how shit the parties, various parties' policies actually are. Yeah. Yeah, I really don't want to have to do this. It, it has to. It has <laughs> to be done. Someone
1: has to. Now, first question: Does Labor actually have a policy?
0: They do. And um, I suppose the second question is: Does the LNP? Did the LNP steal Labour's childcare policy? Yes, they did. <laughs> Okay, no, not quite. It's a little bit more complicated than that. But yes, they pretty much took a labour policy and just uh, shaved a little bit off it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, just made it less.
0: Uh, Where is it? There's a article that has come out. um... Oh, is
1: that the one you sent me today?
0: Yeah, it's the one one from today. It's in the Sydney Morning Herald titled, Woman-Friendly Budget Funding for Domestic Violence Prevention health programs
1: we should probably preface this bit with the budget is being released the federal budget is being released tomorrow is it tomorrow wednesday on wednesday
0: i don't know i really want to care but after last year and (laughs) scott morrison the king of of announcements king of of announcements he loves a good announcement (laughs) he loves a good press conference of which he can do then nothing
1: yeah yeah he sure does he likes an announcement Everyone will talk about the announcement and then he will make another announcement and hope that no one noticed he didn't do anything about the first announcement.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is literally a, a, um, actually, no, he does cuts quite well. Let's be honest. <laughs> because I mean, like last year there were cuts and then this year, this extra funding problem is that this, this extra funding that's coming in doesn't match the cuts. Not it's only from last year, but years previous. Yeah. Um, I think it was uh, Mad Fucking Witches who claimed to have worked out that it's about 10% of what has been initially promised Mm. over over a course of time.
1: It's such, like, quality manipulation strategies. Like, it's real. They do it so well. It's fucked.
0: It is more than fucked. And we'll get into why. Particularly about the $5 million of programs that tackle period pain and endometriosis. $5 million. For... Um... What are we at now? 26 million people. So mm. potentially maybe about for $5 million for about 10 million people.
1: I'm sorry. How, what program is going to battle period pain? Do we all get heat packs?
0: Ibuprofen deliveries.
1: And chocolate? Do we get like, yeah, drone supplies of like Cadbury's and heat packs and ibuprofen?
0: Oh, I just... and, and Look, it, I'm Mrs. not
1: against this. Sorry. But I no, just don't I, think that's what's
0: going on. Well, not for $5 million. And, no. and it's very reminiscent of this government to go, oh, here's $5 million to tackle period pain and endometriosis. That's not what the issue is. No. It's not so much of an issue of funding. And that's no. not to say that more funding isn't welcome. It's an issue of it, the average diagnosis for endometriosis takes eight years. $5 million is not going to shave much time off that eight-year diagnosis period. Mm. You know, and they're going uh, $22 million for additional gynecological items on the uh, Medicare benefit scheme uh, schedule. $22 million. Really? That's it.
1: For gynecological items. I don't... What? Can we just have... What program are they going to implement to tackle period pain?
0: I don't know. I honestly don't. And and the thing is that you and I both uh, have a healthcare background. Mm. We're we're both former healthcare professionals. We know that twenty-two million dollars for additional gynecological items on the on the MBS is Means gonna do fuck nothing. all. No,
1: no, it doesn't it's, even make sense.
0: It doesn't address a lack of, of doctors in rural areas. It doesn't address a lack of specialists. Mm. You know, and going, oh, nineteen point three million dollars to list new drugs on the pharmaceutical benefit scheme to prevent women going into premature labour. That's important. But it's like you know, you made so a joke you can't on face.
1: My face is just like super confused. Like I'm just like, what?
0: You made a you made a joke about, um, oh, what's her name? Jen. Jen. Do
1: you want me to? Do you want me to read it? You I might know, as well. I'd, I'd, yeah. Um, just like, hey, Jen. Um, what's an issue that's really important to women? Not right now, Scott. I've got my period. I've got some cramps. Can you try and Google it this time?
0: <laughs> and that's kind of, this is how it reads to me. As yeah. a former health as a former healthcare professional, like reading this, this laundry list of, um, you know, $5 million for this and, you know, $6.6 million for the Breast Cancer Network. Yeah. Um, you know, Twenty six point nine million in support for people with eating disorders.
1: Sorry, and that, that's actually an area that I used to work in. And I'm like again, it sounds like a lot, but it's not.
0: It's a drop in the ocean. It's it doesn't train. Okay, so sorry, we have obviously have not seen the budget. We're we're relying on, on leaked press information. Yeah. Some of which was leaked to Peter Van Olsen. Oh, for
1: fuck's sake.
0: Yes, because apparently he needs to um, improve his standing with women as well.
1: Yes, and this is what this all sounds to me like. They've just, like, Googled what do women like, what are issues women have, and it's just like they have periods. Right, all right, let's 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 name something this and give it some money. Or well, breast cancer is a thing. Yep, what else do we know about women?
0: <laughs> eating <laughs> disorders.
1: Eating disorders, Yeah.
0: Um, you know, like the four points the forty seven point four million dollars to help with mental health, but it's it has a um a condition attached of new and expecting parents,
1: which all just back feeds back into fucking gender roles and the expectation that our bodies are to be used solely for the purpose of reproduction
0: yeah of mm. reproductive labor yeah. it's just. You know, it definitely does sound like just through... This is a suck-up-to-women budget.
1: It's just like, we didn't This is a suck-up-to-women like suck
0: who ha- want kids.
1: Yeah. This isn't like, sucking-up-to-women.
0: This is sucking-up-to-women who want kids. Yeah, um, but it
1: looks... They can sell it as this is a women's budget, but if you look at it closely, you're just like, this is a specific woman's budget. This is a conservative women's budget. Oh my God, that's what they're doing. They're trying to get all those conservative women back on side after fucking Brittany Higgins. This is what they're doing.
0: I don't think the electorate's buying it. I've read I've read comments on social media which are just basically going, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. Um, yeah,
1: and that's the thing like I was talking to someone who I would have considered to be very conservative and they've started talking to me about abolition. and I'm just like, oh Morrison, you, if you had have just fucking fired Porter, you, maybe you'd be okay, but I think you fucked off a lot of women at the moment. Like, there's a lot of women who are very, they're not got that same anger as much for justice. Now they're in the, the planning and contemplative phase where they're like, right, let's start a political party, let's start a movement. Yeah. Like, Morrison's fucked.
0: <laughs> I, I sincerely hope so. Same. I just will not put it past this electorate to screw this up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, same.
0: I just, yeah, I'd like to have hope. And we completely ignored the fact that essentially, the only reason I brought some of this up was to talk about childcare subsidies. (laughs) I know. Obviously, childcare subsidies, is going to bleed into other areas. Yeah, true. Yeah.
1: Right. So, should we get into this actual topic of the episode?
0: Yes. (laughs) Might be a good idea.
1: (laughs) What is it again? I'm joking,
0: sorry. All right, so... Yeah, the NLNP kind of stole Labour's policy and just shaved bits off it and there's a quote in in that article that i sent you going uh the the changes to the subsidy aren't going to come into effect until mid next year (laughs) there's a quote if labor is genuine in wanting to see these measures delivered early they should give a clear cut commitment to let the legislation go through the parliament unamended swiftly
1: unamended
0: yeah yeah i don't really want to read the bill that will be proposed but i'm gonna have to
1: yeah
0: um and then there's a follow-up quote labor can take their policies to spend even more on even higher income families for the next election if they so choose but there should be nothing in these targeted policies that they would in and of itself oppose that's a comforting little line there isn't
1: it yeah it's negging isn't it yeah um yeah, I remember. I can't remember who the turf was. I've got a feeling it might have been Bettina Arden, but I'm not sure. Uh, they were in a. It was a panel with her and Clementine Ford, but it was like someone who's very turfy, gender essentialisty sort of like gender roles and stuff. And she was like, her intro speech was to talk about. Now I've got a young daughter who really likes Clementine Ford, and she said to me, "Oh, mum." Don't get into a fight with Clementine Ford. Don't say something to make Clementine Ford angry, to put Clem Ford on the back foot to make her feel like she should be, well, no, I'm not going to fight you. We'll be friends. Do you know what I mean? That kind of rhetoric. And I'm just like, this is what they're doing here. Yeah. Fucking Clem Ford bit it too. I'm just like, no, fucking yell at her. She's a turf. Fuck her. Anyway. Sorry, different conversation. Yeah, and just all round shit eating cunt. I can't actually remember if it was Bettina Ardent or not. They just, like, they sort of, like, you know, older generation.
0: Who-, who platformed Grace Tan's rapist?
1: Exactly. Those sort of second wave feminist, gender essentialist kind of people all kind of, like, merge into the one super cunt.
0: They suck the ladder back up after. <laughs> I
1: don't know. I don't... Sorry, Sorry, I just got this vision of them <laughs> sucking a ladder up there.
0: <laughs> back up their ass
1: anyway yes, so ba- liberals
0: <laughs> so yes the the liberal childcare policy they do have one um you know and we're talking in figures you know ah, oh, i'm just I'm, I'm looking at these figures of of how much people um, have to earn to get certain percentage of rebates and i think the best way of doing this is actually just to look at Labour's policy because mm. it's equally, I'm look, I'm not going to say it's bad. Every little bit helps. But, okay, so a family income of $72,406 uh, subsidy is 90%. So the coalition's 85%. Right. What? If you're going to make it practically nothing, make it nothing. Yeah. Okay, and, and yeah.
1: It's a power play.
0: Yeah, it is yeah. such a ideological failing of the Labour Party where they just can't go, you know what, you can have it for free. Mm. You know, if you're poor, you can have this for free. Yeah. None of that.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. Because they're still playing to their base.
0: Which um, gets, gets uh, increased to... $80,000?
1: So it goes from what, 75? Were you, were you paying? So
0: the threshold for the coalition's 85% subsidy is $72,406. Okay. Labor is basically saying that if you earn up to 80 grand, mm. it's now 90% subsidy. Okay. And then it's like, to get to about 50%, you have to be earning somewhere between $220,000 and $300,000. Okay.
1: Look, to be honest, like, if you're on that, you can afford it, whatever. But at the same time, why not just make it universal? Why not just make it free? Why not just make it a quality service that everyone can access? And why not roll it into the education system that we already have? <laughs> <laughs> because then they might have to start paying early childhood educator people like an actual living wage, <sighs>
0: which actually brings us to the Greens' policy, which is less, um, which is less, uh, less of a spreadsheet. Less of a spreadsheet. That's that's nice. We we will explain our cynicism to all of this in a little while.
1: <laughs> I think people get that I'm just a cynic. It's fine. That's <laughs> no, what they come. That's what they expect.
0: <laughs> but we're cynical for a very specific reason. As in relation to the conversation that we had last night. And, yeah. So, anyway, uh, the Greens policy is basically, um, uh, where is it? Uh, they would create 17,500 new places in public or community childcare and kindergarten and building 250 new government-funded centres. I don't... This is on the Greens website, but it also seems to be the Queensland Greens proposal. Mm. All Queensland kids aged three and four Years old for it um, will get At least three days per week and one Day per week for two year olds Um, They're estimating that this would give An extra 200,000 Queensland Kids access to more childcare but it's Still falling into this same it's Not universal none of none of these None of these policies are Universal in any way shape or form they All have restrictions to them they're um, They're either means tested or You know come with uh, with with strings Mm. attached
1: And conditions yeah it's just It's
0: terrible.
1: Yeah. 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 It it feels really hopeless. Like I keep saying that I I feel like we need a feminist political party. And I really think we do. The aim is to like, you know, start at the Senate and work our way down. But if nothing else, we'll scare the shit out of the the sitting government and and force this kind of stuff
0: I, I think there's a lot to be taken from the current independence that we have you know not suggesting that the center alliance is a model to base yourself off of because let's face it they're all shit
1: <laughs> that's kind of where the greens will in my opinion that's where the greens fall short is that they went from being like a grassroots environmental party to trying to play the game the same way as liberal and labor i think they think that they have to use that same strategy but what people actually want is an alternative. I don't know. Maybe it's different where you are.
0: The problem with the Greens is the same problem with every other political party that essentially they become bureaucratic the bigger they get. Yeah, yeah. Um. And the Greens is no exception. It's just, you know, like there is the myth, the myth out there that there are tree Tories. Yeah, we do actually have some of course you really do. terrible people in the party. and. The LNP
1: has literal rape apologists and literal rapists. And yet the t- tree Tories are not the problem. Like, yeah,
0: they, they <laughs> clog up they clog up proceedings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was but yeah it's not universal. Yeah. None of these policies are universal in any way shape or form. No. You know it relies on on placements on a day and mm. children do not work to a schedule. No. Like nothing. No. Nothing with no. children works to a schedule that you can plan for. No. You know like can there be more feminists talking about this because yeah. quite frankly this is this is an insult to yeah. anyone who has at least been in the vicinity of a child.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, you're not wrong. And I, like, and I, you know, I have historically shit on second wave feminists for like, you know, like essentially saying that they fucked us over. I don't, I, I, I shouldn't say that. Cause it's not true. They did it. The system fucked them over and we've, we've been forced to compromise and just think that, you know, incremental change will help us. And that's not the, like, there's some incredible women. I mean, don't get me wrong, some of them are turfs and SWERFs and they can, you know, get fucked and fuck off. But, like, not all of them. And there were some really great women and really great feminists doing some really great work. But just because of the system that we live in and the structure of society, like, they just couldn't get universal childcare through. Like, it just wasn't possible. So what we were left with was, you know, thank you, men, for letting us work Gee, thank you. Now we can do your job, but like, what was it, fifty percent at the time of their of their wage? Like it was way less. It, like it's at seventy five percent, seventy eight percent now. I think
0: <laughs> the the wage was way less. Um, that's more of a, a that's more capitalism than anything else. Yeah, true. Um, and you know, like it was more the restriction on what professions. Mm. You know, going back to the Ansett case. I just, oh. you know, it's it still shocks me that no, that very few feminists that I've spoken to actually know anything about Reg Anset and that case that led to the, that really gave national impetus to putting through the Sex Discrimination Act of 1984.
1: Well, I only knew about it because of you. So, yeah, like keep being shocked.
0: <laughs> I mean, it is such an, it is. Yeah. It's such an important case in Australian legal history and in feminist history as well. It's just...
1: Yeah, we really don't talk about it enough, do we? Mm. Maybe we should do an episode just talking about, like, really...
0: There have only been three cases that have gone before the High Court. The testing of the Sex Discrimination Act is quite limited Mm. and (laughs) it's just... It's depressingly bad. Mm. Um, Because we kind of rely on this... I don't know, this kind of almost good faith... Mm. arrangement where we um, generally assume that we're not getting fucked over, despite the fact that we know we're getting fucked over.
1: Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? That sort of is a cognitive dissonance. Yeah. I don't
0: know. And, you know, like bringing it up, I saw commentary on under the the, the pre-budget announcement article um, where they're going, well, why is there not childcare leave with superannuation uh, contributions?
1: Actually, did, did I mention anything about super in that article?
0: They do not.
1: Yeah, see, that's one of the things that we want. Like when we're on maternity leave, we want to keep being paid super.
0: Superannuation reform is also something that essentially feminists <laughs> don't talk.
1: It's really bizarre. It's boring. It's not boring.
0: <laughs> no, the, the I mean the
1: percentage of women retiring into poverty is growing exponentially. Like
0: I, I didn't. It is growing, and you know the fastest demogra- demographic of of homeless. Um, people in Australia mm. are women over 45. Like, it's when I say it's boring, I don't mean, yeah, no, I know. Oh, it's boring, we shouldn't talk about it. I mean, it doesn't capture the same kinds of passion that yeah. other topics and it should, it 100% it should doesn't. capture I think that passion. It's scary, and it just doesn't. And people
1: don't want to acknowledge it and they feel like they have no control over it, so they just sort of push it out of their minds. And it won't happen to me, it, that kind of nonsense.
0: Well, it doesn't feed into mm. the. Um, into the media cycle. Like it doesn't create a good head economics never really creates good gotcha. headlines unless it's recession. Or boom. I just I'll never be able to forget the Clark and Dor sketch where essentially the joke about the Australian economy is that we run two economies and basically we sell rocks. <laughs> <laughs> oh funny. Yep. Yeah. Um but you know like it's boring. It will never make You'll never make the six o'clock news.
1: I find talking about economics fascinating, especially like how emotion drives economic confidence. An economy,
0: yeah. <clears throat> consumer, yeah. Consumer confidence is a primary yeah. driver in preventing recessions. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: and that's why Rudd, um, he started guaranteeing bank deposits. Essentially, just by him doing that, just stopped Australia from getting a recession, in, in my humble opinion. I think that was a pretty massive
0: he still looks like the milky bar kid
1: he i don't know what Rudd looks like but he looks like um someone has taken his face and faced at him as like a child <laughs> but that's just his face yep. like how do you look so young and yet so old it's,
0: and he's such a doofus as well
1: like oh my god stop going on friendly geordie's podcast it's not gonna make you cool
0: it is not it is not going to improve your standing with vast demographics in this country
1: it's going to make you more popular with incels and mras like that's it yeah
0: yep. fuck um uh yeah hang on so we did super which we weren't intending to <laughs> do <laughs> we did economics um yeah i guess we should talk about you know oh. have we
1: have we spoken about universal childcare
0: yes we have um but we haven't actually <laughs> One thing we haven't done is basically go on, well, you know, what might an ideal universal childcare setup look like? Because mm. um, we, you know, we were also going to have to talk about that article. Yeah. Oh. Oh, it's gross. It is so gross. And, it, and it's the reason why we're a little bit uh, bitter about this, the topic of today's conversation.
1: So young Stephanie sent me this article. She's like, look, I found... An article that actually does studies on um, positive outcomes from from universal childcare in Germany. I'm like, awesome, amazing. Let's read it. And like they refer to childcare as a treatment.
0: It's very German. It's very clinical.
1: Yeah, we should get Carly to read this because I think she will find the language fascinating.
0: It is. It is a. It is a window into the mind of Germans
1: and Dutch people. A German capitalists.
0: Oh, it's so gross.
1: So this article, I'll let you talk you, about no, the article and you, then I'll talk about give, my concerns. You
0: give your impressions first and foremost. Okay,
1: all right. Because I couldn't actually read the whole thing because I was like, fuck, was I wrong about universal child care? <laughs> so I think universal childcare, from this article is how it can go very, very wrong if left in the hands of capitalists and folk who are obsessed with industrialisation, essentially.
0: It's what happens when you put universal childcare in the hands of an economist.
1: (laughs) They essentially talk about children like they are commodities and investments. So you put kids into the education system earlier then you can start getting them ready to produce for capitalism sooner
0: which is that's not an exaggeration no okay so yeah we're we're kind of getting a little bit um, energetic about it because it <laughs> it doesn't talk about whether a child is happy healthy no or or you know whether um, you know family violence is di- is diminished or anything like socialization.
1: that socialization mental health
0: outcome. oh it talks about socialization
1: does it, it oh yeah in what context
0: assimilationist
1: Fuck <laughs> me in the face <laughs> It's so gross
0: So, okay so, so some, um, It basically talks about the, the only outcome that they really care about Is about the preparedness to enter the education system mm. That is the only metric that they are concerned with And in true German style Oh, don't be racial I'm half Dutch. They invaded my country and put my my grandfather into a camp.
1: Look, okay, fair enough. That was also my family, but my family was the Germans doing it. Sorry about that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We can't really joke about that because I know that my grandfather, after he escaped the camps, went and rejoined the resistance. So there's a there's a very good chance that they didn't meet. There's
1: a whole heap of questions around my family being dodgy fuckers. They were probably deserters.
0: Um, but yeah, yes, go <laughs> dodgy
1: dodgy fuckers. My background. It's pretty awesome, actually. Anyway, sorry. What?
0: Um, so okay. So I'll read a, I'll read an excerpt from the uh, conclusion, which was and again, yeah. So when they say treatment, they are talking about um, participation in uh, a more accessible child care system. So, yeah. Uh, oh, I just don't even know where to begin with this. It is that bad. They're basically... Yeah. Oh, I just, no, I can't even talk about it. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm reading it. Where, where is it? Um, in this paper, we assess the heterogeneity... Um, geneity, I can't even say the word, Um, in the effects of universal childcare on child development at the age of school entry by estimating marginal returns. Yeah. Marginal returns to early childcare attendance. Uh, Building on a tighter identification strategy than adopted in the relative uh, MTE literature and using novel administrative data on child outcomes in a context in which all children undergo standardised and uh, standardised and mandatory school entry examinations.
1: Yeah, that was that. Mm.
0: We document the substantial heterogeneity in the returns to early childcare attendance with respect to both observed and unobserved child characteristics. For our main outcome of school readiness, mm. we we find that when attending childcare late. Minority children, and this is this is where I make the point about it being very German. Um, minority children are twelve percent points less likely to be ready for school than majority children. Those good Aryan children.
1: So fucking gross. I don't. Oh, and see, didn't... this is the thing. They're not allowed to like. It's illegal to be like Nazi, but they can like hide it in the language in other ways, can't they?
0: Oh, very, very much so. Mm. <clears throat> you know, it's very polite racism.
1: It's what they very british
0: <laughs> it's very german yeah i mean the royal family is german yeah the, the british royal yeah, family sorry. is german yeah um aside <laughs> the point um but basically what they what they're also trying to say in this paper is that immigrants from turkey aren't assimilating as well <laughs> like you know it's very german to take a, to take a concept like uni- like evaluating universal child care which it's a country that is really interesting to do it to mm. because back in the 90s it was East and West Germany. Yeah. They had yeah. the Berlin Wall. You know, so yeah. integrating.
1: And then David Hasselhoff came along, smashed it down. Oh. Thanks, America. Anyway,
0: very well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so essentially, what the, their rationale for this entire study was. Um, we have East Germans and West Germans, and everything is being integrated into a school into the unified school system. Um, and this is a really good uh, situation to check outcomes, which I have mm-hmm. no problem with. I, I think that's a you know taking advantage of a, of a really unique um, situation. Mm. They made it worse by bringing <laughs> by basically um, <laughs> suggesting that um, immigrants, are not assimilating as well as <laughs> their fellow germans who were separated by the wall <sighs> oh
1: dear. Oh dear. it's just
0: you know and it's the yeah. it's that it's that general commodification of yeah. of a child's um, educational development yeah you know it yeah. it it does exam, the paper does examine parent uh, parental um, qualifications Um, But it focuses a heck of a lot on where they're from.
1: Like on a bike.
0: You know, and but, you know, there are some interesting things in this study. You know, it does point out that essentially that um, when Germany brought in their universal childcare, it wasn't just working women who took advantage of it. Mm. You know, everyone took advantage of it. Yeah. And, you know, uh, another feature of our setting is that mothers' labour force participation rates, 31% in 1994 and 39% in 2000, are much lower than their offspring's childcare attendance rates. Sorry, what? <laughs> they were taking advantage of childcare.
1: Yeah, fair, yeah. good. So there should, as a mother, there's this whole thing about, there's this, and I think women do it to each other as well, is that you, it's like you have to choose between work or staying at home. But you have to still do both, but you have to do both while you, and feel bad about it. Like, I remember after I had Isabel, I was just like, like, and I love her to death, and she's an incredible human, but I had it for about two weeks, and I just said to my now ex-husband, I'm just like, I'm not doing this again. Like, this is fucked.
0: Because you're supposed to feel bad, irrespective of the choices that you make.
1: Yeah. I'm probably a little bit, I mean, I'm obviously neurodivergent, but like, I'm just like, I don't think I was supposed to say that bit out loud. <laughs> And people would say to me like, when I went back to work because I didn't actually take much time off because I was studying, and then I went into my um my grad year and stuff nursing, and people would say to me like, oh, so when are you going to start for a second one? And I'm just like, fuck off. Are you joking?
0: Why is the expectation always more?
1: Yeah, it's just like I'm like, but I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, why? Like, I like sleep. <laughs> My face is about to fall off. Why would I do this again? And they were all just like, I'm, I was told I was selfish, that you know I would regret it later and just all of this other nonsense. Isabel loves being an only child, so she's fine. It's just like there's always this guilt and this shame put on women to do what's expected of us. And if, and if we do it, then there's an added layer, like are we doing it good enough? Like the the goalposts just keep on moving.
0: Yeah, there's there's no standard.
1: No, oh, there's plenty of standards, but just you'll never get there.
0: Yeah, well, they, they keep always <laughs> in the horizon. They keep shifting them. Mm. Like they, there's no there's no fixed standard. There is um, no. All of those you know magazine articles all all say that you know um, there's no one right way to be a mother. There's no one right way to be a child. However, However there's twenty million <laughs> wrong ways, and you're doing them all of them. <laughs>
1: But if you buy this book or this product or this whatever, then you'll be a better mother. It'll make everything so much easier for you. Oh, oh my there's god! So much
0: commodification at every aspect yeah. of yeah, of motherhood, of um, parenthood, of early childhood <sighs> the fucking
1: marketing. Yeah, the marketing that goes into it, like fuck you, Bernays, bloody you're so lucky you're dead because I'd go and kill you. Like I swear to God. Oh my god. Anyway, um, childcare. Like, honestly, but OK, so this is my this is my concerns, I suppose, about universal childcare, is that you don't have control over the educators. You don't. So you don't know what environment they're going into. You don't know if that educator is secretly, you know, one of those marriage council people like we don't know that. So if they're going to be spending time outside of your family, then you don't know what like what values they're absorbing is it would be my concern
0: that's a fit
1: like i yeah i spent a lot of time with isabel teaching her like from a newborn teaching her consent if she didn't want to kiss nan and granddad she didn't have to it was my body my rules you don't touch my private parts all of that kind of stuff i mean it probably went a bit hard because of the psych nurse background but it was like very very these these are your boundaries and you're allowed to maintain your boundaries and she was, it was very much like she wasn't allowed to chase birds. You know, you had to respect animals, all of this kind of stuff. And she's grown into a beautiful, young, confident woman because of it. However, as soon as she went to childcare, she started talking about princesses and fucking, I don't know, Barbies and shit. And I'm like, fuck off. Like, where did this shit come from? Ah, like her second birthday, she had a dinosaur party and she chose that as for her, you know, that was the theme that she chose. I'm jealous.
0: I had a Thomas the Tank Engine theme. It was theme.
1: fucking, it was fucking sick so i held i hung all these streamers from the roof so it looked like we're in a jungle and i um and i bought these inflatable dinosaurs and there was like pterodactyls hanging from the roof it was so fucking good and everyone walked in and they were just like leah are you okay i'm just like i fucking love planning parties anyway it was really good it was fun
0: no but you're right there's no and it makes it sound like we're talking like homeschoolers Look, but it's, at the same time,
1: crossed my mind. Yeah. But I can't do maths, so that's out.
0: <laughs> but you know, because we all saw the milkshake video. Oh fuck me! You know, and God. it's just yeah. You're right. Schools just, really. Can
1: we just mention? Can I make a request? Yeah. That whenever people talk about the milkshake video, can they immediately follow it with "It was really shit," but we do have Rosara who have excellent consent toolkits and incredible research and resources. It's led by Dr. Rachel Bergen, and it's incredible. So And it's a completely made a
0: thing. A- like, it's, it's finished. It's a product you can use.
1: Yes. And it's actually made by people who know what the fuck they're talking about, not some conservative lobbyist group. Yeah. It's just... Who... Mm, it's just... Oh, my God. The audacity of putting a woman as an abuser. I was like... I'm gonna eat some souls tonight after I saw that video. Fucking anyway. Yep, sorry. What? Yep. So childcare. So
0: yeah, obviously. <laughs> but no, because essentially you're right. There isn't. There isn't. Um, you know, a proper consent-based education, respectful relationships-based education that um, doesn't use really tortured metaphors and oh
1: <laughs> yeah, it was. Look, the milkshake video was gross, and it was completely unnecessary. Like we have these resources available. I don't understand why the government is spending 14 million dollars or whatever they spent on it to try and develop something when we have literal academics and researchers working on this stuff in universities why would you not use that resource it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me that you would use like a marketing company or like whatever type of company that's got nothing to do with
0: well they were Mormons
1: I'm fucking what happened to separation of church and state seriously <sighs>
0: Um, but yeah, you know, like we, we don't, you know, that's a fair comment because we don't actually have, um, sorry (laughs) for trying, trying to bring it back. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a fair comment because essentially as we, um, as we have observed over the last couple of weeks, we replaced safe schools and um, respectful relationships programs Mm. with milkshakes and tacos.
1: I mean, yum to both, but that's not. That's... What? No. No, no just we need no. Like plain language, direct, concise, clear. Because they're too... It's like they're too fucking scared to say the word, like, sex or whatever. Because, I guess, because they're Mormons. But anyway.
0: But not not exactly relevant in the childcare setting. But, no. you know, like, it's... If this is how bad that they're doing it uh, is this is how bad that they're broaching the subject for teenagers. Mm. You know.
1: But they're... There's, there's ways to talk about this stuff with kids, Like there's numerous resources out there and books and programs to talk to kids about consent, like young, like, you know, age appropriate and hit off into like age groups and level of cognition and understanding and, you know, that kind of thing. Like it, it all exists already. Yeah. Just give Dan Carson a call. Like why? I just, I mean, I do know why, because it's probably one of Scott Morrison's mates who he wanted to do a favour. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's like hospitals. If you're like a St. Vincent's, a faith-based hospital, and you're a public hospital, but you're a faith-based hospital, you don't have to provide abortion. They're still collecting taxpayer money, but they're not giving us the services that our tax should be going to. So there's places like in Tasmania where people have to fly to Melbourne to get abortion. Yeah. Tell me about how accessible that is. It is not. If you're in a rural area, obviously. Like if you're in a rural rural area and all you've got is a like a faith based hospital and they refuse to do contraception, whatever, you're you and you are low income, then you're probably just gonna have to have a baby. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, realistically, you're just gonna have to have that child.
0: Which was, you know, the case in, in South Australia with all of the restrictions that they had on abortion.
1: Yeah. We I feel like people need to talk about South Australia more. Like it's messed up. And messed up how inaccessible abortion is in South Australia. Yeah.
0: And, you know, not that I can really talk as a Queenslander, but yeah, <laughs> South Australia is messed up. It's so messed up. Yeah,
1: it's up. really bad. Too many churches. Too many churches.
0: We kind of went off topic again.
1: <laughs> oh, it is childcare related.
0: I mean, that's just not one something that we really do talk about as openly. Yeah like conservatives really do control the space that that conversation's held in. Yeah. But you know, there are people who just do not want to be parents. Yeah. And um, they have, and conservatives have cornered us into a position of basically going, you know, basically going, you're a monster for saying that. You know, it's your yeah. biological role. It's how yeah. we evolved. Yeah. Um, and then going, you know, it's such a callous disregard for life.
1: Yeah, it is. But it's like, you need to breed, you need to make more workers, you need to produce for capitalism is what it all comes down to.
0: Yeah.
1: If, if we don't have young people taking on low-income jobs and we'll dress it up as low, like just a part-time job, that they can do while they're at university but what it is is actually working for cafe owners who are exploiting them and getting richer and
0: farm workers and then
1: donating to the liberal party or whatever like it's it's a fucking scam and especially now we're not exploiting migrant workers at the moment we don't have people on holiday visas and stuff everyone's just like who's gonna pick the fruit <laughs> and we're all just like ah, uh, fuck no What?
0: Been there and done that. It is terrible.
1: Look, I I have honestly... Like, when I was younger, I was just like, oh, that'd be cool. Like, just, you know, travel around and just pick some apples and stuff like that. And I started looking at the conditions... And the wages and how ex- exploitative it is. I was just like, I think maybe, maybe I won't do that.
0: <laughs> it's really bad. That
1: doesn't sound like fun. It sounds very, you know, you can romanticise it, but no.
0: To give you an idea of just how bad it was, um, I, my uncle ran a farm in Burke, And yeah, the farm itself contracted Dodgy. The farm was part of a collective yeah. that was um, all pushed through the packing shed and the packing sh- basically hired slave labor. Yeah. Like it was very much exploited migrant workers and the mm. there were jokes about exploited migrant workers um made by you know the the permanent staff at the farm. Yeah. You know things like for example if a if a clean looking four wheel drive or you started driving down the road they would um you know all of these you would have um you know all of the pickers basically drop to the ground to pretend that they weren't there to hide from like it and and people saying this is a joke and you're just basically going, that's gross.
1: Yeah, it's really gross. Yeah,
0: you guys are gross. Um, mm. uh, but also, and fun news, so there's this Bible college called Cornerstone. Cornerstone are fucked in so many different ways, but the way that they are exceptionally fucked is that they would send their bible college students out to go and pick fruit for free. The farm would pay Cornerstone and the workers would not see a cent. It was considered part of their responsibilities for going to bible college. It was to pay their way.
1: Oh my god. I've just texted my friend. They've um they've just named their comedy production company thing and I'm just like, "Did you call it Cornerstone or Corner Shop?" <laughs>
0: Yeah, there is, a, you know, there is also the, the commodification yep. the universal childcare of basically yep. going, you know, like, again, like Germans measuring positive outcomes with your only metric being school readiness.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's really concerning. I didn't teach Isabel to read or to write or anything like that until she went to school. And they were just like, why can't she write her name? And I'm like, because she's five. Like, who cares? Like, what? you know, she'll learn it. It'll be fine.
0: That's what school's for, isn't it?
1: <laughs> well, not just that's what school's for, but I'm just like, you know, we did a lot of drawing and a lot of creative play and like we'd make stuff, like we'd paint things and we'd like make stuff out of bark and whatever. But we didn't, I didn't want to focus on literacy and numeracy because I just, I just, I don't think kids are ready to engage that part of their brain at that age. I just don't think it's necessary. Like, and especially like when you start talking about conserving and Piaget's nonsense, like kids learn at different levels they get to around the age of like what 7 or 8 or something like that and then everyone just comes to the same same thing and that's exactly what happened with Isabel mm. you know no stress no pressure it's especially you know around that kind of stuff like my focus for Isabel is always healthy having fun well socialized all that kind of stuff yeah i think when we put too much emphasis on children's academic success i think that's when we start seeing like really negative outcomes when it comes to friends and families and, you know, socialisation and that kind of thing. I think it's really bad for kids' mental health and how they engage with other people. If, like, maybe they're not learning at the same level as someone else and then everyone starts, like, making fun of them or calling them dumb. When, when if you just took the approach, who cares? Who cares? It's her name. Like, she'll learn it eventually. It's only six letters.
0: <laughs> and it doesn't take into account any disabled kids or neurodivergent kids. Mm. Um, yeah, neurodiverse. Sorry, not neurodivergent. It's all right. I, we're we're all very tired.
1: We're very tired. It's
0: fine. <gasps> um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, like the entire education system is is fucked. Everyone knows yeah. this. Yeah. But
1: I've got a friend who says, "A all teachers are bastards."
0: <laughs> I have a grade six teacher who um, kind of tried to buck that trend, but was very uh, very aware of his role in what education was
1: Mm. well yeah absolutely like and I think when I started reading about like enlightenment and like uh the industrialization and all of that kind of stuff I really looked at like how factories worked and then I'm just like fuck that's like a school yeah so it's just getting kids ready to be compliant for the workforce
0: the only thing that's really missing is the punch card machine on the wall
1: yeah, I think, you know, um, I, and then and then I discovered Foucault and I'm just like, oh, okay, I'm not so clever. But like, it, you know, it's fine. <laughs> but like, they're all prisons. They're all prisons. And, you know, you've got the, the principal or the teachers is like the panopticon. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's that. Maybe a bit much. I'm not sure.
0: We, we, we may have been combining childcare with... Education. With the education system. And general. abortion. And abortion. And <laughs> exploitation...
1: But but that's that's the yeah. risk. That is the risk of universal childcare, that people will just actually prolong their kids' exposure to that education system. It
0: just means adding adding extra years to primary mm. school in certain. Yeah, you know, if it's done badly.
1: Yes, yes, if it's done badly. But if it's done well, then not necessarily. If
0: it's done well. It could be used as an excellent. Um... <sighs> I don't want to say equalizer because then that's applying some of the horrible Germanness of that paper.
1: (laughs) An effective use of the treatment. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, But you know, like for example, you do get um, improved socialisation. Yeah. Which you know, massive. But the
1: the other side of that is, is if, if we increased welfare above the poverty line, then people wouldn't be forced to go to work sooner, so they could actually stay home with their kids. And then utilise universal childcare as they saw fit. Yeah. And there would just be less pressure on everyone to be all of the things all of the time. And wouldn't life be good?
0: Yes. I, I, guess, I guess, you know, as I tried to, to say last night, which probably took a heck of a lot longer than, than what I was going for... <laughs> Like, yeah, I I 100% agree that universal childcare is an important policy for feminists, for socialists. I just think that essentially as a socialist policy... It's a little bit messed up at this stage of of where society is at. It's kind of because we don't have all of the other things. Mm.
1: It's it is one part of the puzzle. It's a,
0: it it becomes exploitative because the yeah. other goals of socialism haven't been met. And to to me that has always been my biggest concern with it. And that's the, and my biggest concern is actually really small in comparison to all of the benefits that universal childcare gives. I'm not suggesting that in any way, shape or form, universal childcare is a bad policy. Yeah. My critique is more about society.
1: Yeah. Yeah. People are fucked.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Can we please just fight for more?
1: <laughs> and- I think the German paper was good in the context of, like, made me less idealistic about it and made me realize actually this can get weaponized against us, like so many things.
0: Yeah. Can we please fight for more? Just more. Just more. Just more. More superannuation. More. Mm. Or better yet, an actual pension, a UBI, anything. Yeah. Like, can we.
1: Just free housing. It's cheaper to give people housing than to provide all the support services. In the homeless sector, it's so just, just give people a house. Just give them a house. It's cheaper.
0: A lot of these things essentially like exist to prop up the charity industry,
1: <laughs> which are vast majority of are what
0: conservative Christian weirdos. <laughs> yeah. If you're a, if you're a conservative Christian weirdo, I'm not making an apology to you.
1: Yeah. No, and they're probably not listening to this podcast to be honest. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's frustrating to me because essentially this is a scrap. Mm you know, universal childcare will make a world of difference to so many, so many women around Australia, so many families, so many parents. And yet the fact that it makes a massive difference is a little bit depressing. Yeah. Because essentially, depending on how it's rolled out, depending on the strings that are attached, how much choice is there? Mm. You know, it's very difficult to survive off one income, Mm. basically almost impossible, depending on, on what that income is. Yeah. But it's just it's, we've reached the point where essentially we're fighting for something that is at this stage a band-aid. Mm. You know, at this stage to get. Yeah. Um and the WhatsApp leaks, you know. Yeah. Dave Sharma had all of this to, re- to <laughs> say in response to the conversation that was going on. Gerard, as a marginal seat holder, I've got to say this sort of targeted and me- measured response will go down very well with my electorate. It's also at the end of the day about improving workforce participation rates and growing the economy.
1: God, I'm so sick of... So this is... Sorry, and I'll stop doing sidetracking, sidesteppy things. But this is what they did when they doubled the welfare rate. Yeah. They doubled the rate of welfare, not to help poor people so that they could live and live and eat, but to boost the economy. So they are literally using our lives to boost the economy. And now the, the economy is like recovered or whatever they're just like nah we don't need you anymore you can go back into poverty again yeah it's disgusting the way that these people treat poor people and the way that they treat us as economic units not as human beings with needs it's fucked i literally i cannot understand how anyone can vote for them literally should be ashamed of yourselves laddie laddies i don't know sorry i don't know where i'm going with that yeah but yeah Anyway, that's the rent. Yeah,
0: and it's a good one, and it's the one I've got. And it's, you know, again, universal childcare should be about providing choice and opportunities. And I don't just mean economic opportunities yeah. for the economy. It should be about, yeah. you know, autonomy and self-determination. But it's not that.
1: Imagine that a world where we had like freedom of choice which is like free of exploitation
0: it's just scraps that's all that's all these are you know yeah. it's, it's very hard to get excited about being used in this way
1: yeah all right um is there anything else that you wanted to do we wrap it up here or is there
0: yeah pretty much the the only thing that we haven't done is um talked more about the world congress family
1: oh do we need to
0: we can save that for any other day
1: I think we can draw. I think there's some things that we should be dropping into every episode to try and remind people of how shit these people are.
0: I, I think it's it's important to go and back and look at those historical ties in everything. Mm. Like it's not just looking at, at feminist literature, it's in and theory. It's it's basically going, how has this been applied in the real world? Mm. Yeah, you know, um, and because at some point soon we are going to have to talk about Stoker. They did the mar- uh, the March for Life rally in Brisbane. They're saying they got three thousand. Sydney Morning Herald is saying they got a few hundred people. Stoker doesn't know where viability begins for a fetus. She seems to think it's twenty weeks. Uh, George Christensen, you know what? I'm just gonna stop talking about it because you don't, you're, you're, you don't need to headbutt your own desk.
1: No, try to pretend she doesn't exist. But I know that that's just um, yeah. That's a. I feel like she and people like her are a whole other conversation, and not one I'm willing to have yeah. on this much sleep. And also, this far into an episode, yeah. we should probably wrap it up.
0: <laughs> and this little alcohol.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we are going to. So we're going to wrap it up here. Thank you everyone for listening. It's been great fun. Thank you, Steph, so much. I'm so excited to have you as our new co-host. It's very cool. I'm I'm looking forward to every...
0: It will be an exciting journey. I
1: don't know. I don't know if we're going to do it weekly or fortnightly, just like whatever or whatever. But um, we are going to do an episode on the budget coming up. And further down the track, we are going to have Tabitha lean on to talk about um, prison abolition, which is incredible. And yeah, so if you liked this episode and stuff like this, then go listen to the other stuff as well and things. Is there anything else that you want to shout out?
0: (laughs) Just to like and subscribe this podcast.
1: And review. I hear reviews are important. And leave a review. I hear they're important. I don't understand why. I don't know what it means. But yeah. What was the other thing? Oh, yeah.
0: Um, and also follows.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, look, honestly.
0: Like, like subscribe and follow <laughs> us on Spotify and uh, your favourite podcast. <laughs> Wherever you Put- find your,
1: your podcast now. I don't know. Um, There are a couple of petitions going around at the moment. One of them is the Homes Not Prisons campaign that's being led by flat out inc and there's a petition to ban spit hoods so i'll pop those things in the thing in the description thing bit and um yeah and also if you want to know more about all of the stuff that we do uh we've got a website called feminist and there's more information about that there anyway bye <laughs> i fucking suck at this
0: Bye. bye. <laughs> <laughs> it, this was this uh match fitness is just not there